Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. Hello everyone, my name's Stephen Weeks. I'm Policy Manager with NHS Employers with special responsibility for staff engagement. And welcome to this series of podcasts on the research evidence around staff engagement. And in this series, we're going to be looking at the emerging findings from a National Institute of Health Research-funded study on the evidence base for uh, employee engagement with special relevance to the NHS. And we're going to be featuring uh, different aspects of that um, work in various podcasts. Welcome, everyone. Uh, This podcast is going to look at uh, two of the other issues that were uh, dealt with within the uh, investigation into the evidence. And the first is the key question, what are the drivers of engagement in healthcare? Well, thank you, Stephen. We looked very closely at what the drivers of engagement were in our review of the evidence. And what we found was that there were five main clusters of factors where we can say with some degree of certainty that there's some evidence to support the idea that they actually drive engagement. The first of these is psychological states. So in other words, what we found was that in cases where people were feeling uh, positive about their work, satisfied with their work, then they were also more likely to be engaged. So generally, positive psychological states were very closely linked with higher levels of engagement. The second one was, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, leadership and management. So what we found here was that more considerate, empowering, authentic approaches to leadership tended to be associated with higher levels of engagement amongst staff. Although I should add the caveat here that we did actually only find eight studies that uh, supported this idea uh, within the health context third driver, and this was the one where there was most evidence, was around the area of job design. And job design is actually something that we do tend to neglect rather when we talk about engagement, but the evidence shows that it is actually job design factors that can play a pivotal role in governing people's levels of engagement. So specifically what we found was that people um, who felt um, empowered in their work had more autonomy and the scope for creativity within their work tended to be more engaged than people who felt that the demands that their job placed upon them were too onerous. The fourth driver we found was a cluster of things around organisational and team factors. So this included, for example, uh, developmental management approaches, being satisfied with the team that you worked with, uh, appreciating the climate of the, uh, the unit or team or ward that you worked within. And we found 12 studies that suggested that where people felt positive about their environment, then they were also more likely to be engaged. Conversely, one of these studies also showed that there was a negative link between um, bullying and harassment and engagement. And finally, uh, a very small number of studies, in fact only two, had looked at whether interventions specifically designed to raise engagement levels actually achieved this. Uh, One was positive, Uh, one reported on an off-site programme that was looking at the true meaning of caring amongst nurses, and that found that engagement levels were raised after the programme. Uh, And there was another 
a study which looked at a workload intervention exercise, but that didn't find a significant change uh, in engagement levels amongst the nurses who'd taken part in that. So overall, the evidence was fairly mixed with regard to drivers from our evidence synthesis. Thanks very much. And the other question we're going to look at in this podcast is obviously the issue of great importance about what actions organisations and particular line managers can take to promote and improve engagement. Thank you, Stephen. Um, I think when in tackling this 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 issue, um, we've really divided the, the 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 findings and the research into three broad areas of action, and the first of these is in the area of management development. The research, as Katie says, really shows that the behaviours of senior leaders and line managers do have an impact on engagement, and it's less what managers do and more the way they do it. So if we think of the actions that the organisation might take on uh, in this area, first of all, I think an emphasis on the importance of people management is the absolutely paramount. That's really, really important for organisations to stress. And this really means um, training in good people management behaviours and managing performance in coaching and self-awareness. And that's training at all levels um, of line management, really from first-time supervisors right up to the top, the senior executive team. There are also programmes that can be quite useful to the line um, around uh, buddying programmes, mentoring and coaching programmes, all of which increase the competence of the line. Setting clear expectations of line managers um, by way of things like behavioural competencies or kind of guides or blueprints is very important so line managers really know how they're supposed to behave with regard to their teams. Here I think um, 360 degree feedback or maybe 180 degree feedback is very useful because managers' uh, self-awareness can really improve and their performance can improve if they understand how other people see them. Providing support for the line is incredibly important too. So, for example, good quality HR support to really help managers tackle maybe difficult performance or behavioural issues. The organisation also needs to take a hard line on bullying and harassment and really signal to staff that they take these issues seriously. And of course, the senior team needs to be modelling these really good people management behaviours, because if they're not doing what they're asking other managers to do, then that really isn't fair and it's perceived as such. The second broad area is in building staff resilience and confidence. And here, it's, um, it, it really does sh- the evidence really does show that a positive psychological state is associated with engagement. And of course, it's also good for the individual. So what the organisation could maybe think of doing is providing some kind of resilience training to, uh, for staff to really help them cope with the high levels of stress they encounter in their day-to-day job. And also maybe mentoring programmes so that staff have people to talk to um, in a more reflective way about their role. Another issue is to focus on people's strengths, their their abilities, their successes, rather than maybe attacking their weaknesses all the time, which leads to a more positive atmosphere at work. What the line manager can do here is um, very important. Maybe adopt a coaching style of management so that your you know, managers are really improving their, um, their, their staff's performance all the time and focusing on that. And also being very clear about expectations. 
and giving frequent and very good quality feedback, not waiting just for that annual appraisal. It's also very important for line managers to recognise and celebrate good performance at individual and team level and manage both the team as a whole and the individuals within it and be very conscious of the, of, of the difference between those two. And I think really a focus on the positives on team successes and making the most of opportunities for the team within what's very often a very constrained budget is really important. The third big area is culture. There's a lot of evidence that an open, involving, caring culture is associated with high levels of trust and engagement. And of course, trust has taken a real hammering in the past few years and not just in the NHS. What the organisation can do here is, is try and really act with integrity. So the senior team needs to be honest with staff and explain the rationale for decisions and also be receptive to staff concerns. And I think relevant here is this, this um, issue of, of whistleblowers and how they're treated. Um, and that becomes a very big sort of public concern issue. So there's an, a, a thing here around not punishing whistleblowers for what they're doing if they're displaying genuine concerns. At organisational level, again, the senior team can really try very hard to build on the core purpose and mission of the organisation and very much involve staff in deciding on organisational values or changes to those. Finally, I think demonstrating concern for staff is very important via things like wellbeing programmes and taking health and safety very seriously. As far as the actions of at line manager level are concerned, I think here the line manager needs to really involve the team in decision making and improvement discussions, really listen to concerns of staff and also their ideas and suggestions for doing the job better. Honesty is important here as well. Um, obviously the line manager can't always be absolutely honest and open about absolutely everything because there are confidentiality issues, but staff really do appreciate it if, they, if their manager is as honest as, 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 pos as they possibly can be in the circumstances. And finally, I think uh, the line manager needs to keep a watchful eye on the well-being and work-life balance of, uh, of their teams. And here, um, our colleague Adrian will be talking in a separate podcast about wellbeing initiatives. <laughs>